Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Good morning. We don't have our little uh, uh, bumper video for the series uh, loaded up today. Uh, we wanted to uh, especially allow extra time for uh, some other things. Um, and I wanted to uh, kind of key you in on that. Um, we're still going to allow time for you to share, as we have been in this series, uh, that we've called Devotion. The whole purpose, I think, of God leading me to this series is to uh, um, cause me to just live week to week a little bit with you. In, uh, in my devotions, in my sermon preparation. I always do in my devotions, but as far as my sermons being based out uh, of, of my devotion, uh, and then asking you to do the same thing, for you to be spending time with God, reading your Bible, praying, and, and be willing to come and share something you feel like God has spoken to your heart about during your devotions in the past week. So as I've said every week, that means you have to be doing some things. You have to be reading your Bible and praying. You might need to be making some notes about what God says to you, and you need to show up with a willingness to share and, and tell others uh, what God uh, has said to your life. And I think it's really important because we never get to the point that God can't use somebody else to speak into our heart and into our life. Uh, t- today we have a guest speaker with us. His name is uh, Shimon Barnier, and uh, he uh, wrote a little booklet. Some of you have already received the booklet uh, that I saw. I got a copy of from, from him a couple of weeks ago and, and said and read through it uh, one afternoon. Uh, you could read through it in 30 minutes. I hope you don't do that. Uh, I hope you'll just maybe read it uh, a chapter a day and let that be part of your devotion uh, this coming week. Uh, so I want to give you a little bit of background on how we met uh, and tell you kind of how the service will be today before we give a chance for you to share. Uh, because of my uh, also contract capacity, my part-time capacity, uh, with the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina serving on their church planning team, and I want to also tell you I appreciate you uh, allowing me time for that. Uh, the, in the wisdom of our leadership team allowing me time for that, I think they understood something. As I do that, I'm going to be introduced to things that will help me still, you know. Uh, and, and that definitely has happened uh, in, in my capacity. I was gone three days this week teaching uh, new church planters and carriers, so please pray for those church planters as they get ready to launch uh, new churches. But um, we were doing a prayer tour in, in, in vans, kind of like a prayer walk, except uh, myself uh, and some other pastors in Hickory who have churches in the pocket of lostness number 60. Uh, we were going to start out that day and ride from one location to the next location to the next location and spend some time in prayer. Our very first stop was a little building called the Ark. It's a little brick building that's kind of across from Lenore uh, Ryan University. Uh, there's a, a, some people that have uh, um, gained the use of that for ministry, for prayer, and other things uh, that takes place there. That was our first stop. So uh, while we were there, um, uh, Shimon was uh, called on to pray. And uh, as he was praying, uh, I'm off to the side listening with, with these other pastors. We were kind of circled up, and, and I started realizing this is not your typical prayer. Uh, you just where someone's praying because they've been called on to pray and, and then say amen, and then you move on. That wasn't what was happening that day uh, in, in a good way. 
Uh, I told him earlier, I even peeped a little bit after he had been going a few minutes to, to kind of look and see. And he was praying, but I think almost in, in a little bit of a, to, to me, a prophetic way. I'm not talking about prophetic as far as writing scriptures, but um, looking around to the pastors that were gathered in the room. Uh, and God was dealing with my heart uh, during that time. Uh, along some of the same things he will share with you today. Uh, and I felt led to stay behind and talk to him for a minute. The, the other pastors went out to the van. We had another location to go. He and I both agreed probably we should have stopped and not gone anywhere else and just repented and stayed there the rest of the day maybe. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, we had other locations that we, we went to and prayed that day. Uh, and I just felt impressed to, uh, uh, to get his contact information, called him a couple weeks later or so, and he came and prayed with me uh, here in the altar. He was here a couple weeks ago. That, this has been a few months back, uh, but a couple weeks ago he was here with me uh, as we counseled with, with someone uh, in, in the church because of his uh, uh, u- uniqueness, and that is that he, he grew up in Israel. Uh, so uh, he, he grew up Jewish. He came to the United States. His wife trusted uh, Christ as her Savior. Uh, that put him in, in kind of a situation like, what do I do now? And, and he was crying and everything else about that. And, uh, and, and she, I think, uh, shared with him a track. Uh, also, as they were on the road going to maybe talk to a pastor that she had been listening to some. Uh, and, uh, and he came to faith in Christ here in America. Uh, so some people refer to him as Messianic Jews. I think he likes the term that I like, a complete Jew. Uh, and, and that is because he now you know, knows Christ as his Savior. So he will be sharing with us. I'm going to tell you up front, if you've looked in the updates, there's no fill in the blanks. I don't know you need to write anything down today unless God really impresses you to write something down. Um, there might be a phrase he gives you near the end if he does the same thing he did in the first service you may need to remember. I don't think you need to write it down to remember it. But um, it's going to be a little bit different. Uh, he's not bringing a sermon. Uh, he's here to challenge us, I, I think, in our fellowship with God. And it's going to be kind of conversational. So uh, I, I appreciate you coming, and he'll be sharing with us in a moment. That being said, uh, John Marler is going to come up. And, uh, and if you have something upon your heart that God has spoken to you about, please, please, please take time to stand up and, and share it with us. God may use what uh, he has impressed upon your heart to touch somebody just like his prayer touched me. You know, so please, please be willing to stand up and share. Who's first? One thing God has been um, speaking to me uh, is that to, to place all my trust in Him, trust in Him with all my heart, need not on my own understanding, in all my ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight my paths. Well, I thought I was doing just that. Um, but in my time with God, he pointed out to me that I was relying on my own strength. When things required faith, I started panicking and, and stressing out and not relying on God, but trying to handle it myself. Um, and, and he showed me in, in Habakkuk that when you rely on your own strength, you can make that an idol in your life. And I was doing that and didn't realize it. Um, also, uh, he said that your pat, your life can become crooked. And, um, I've had a lot of struggles in my life recently. Um, and my path had become crooked, but, um, as God was showing me this and I was sick in my heart that I hadn't been trusting on him and leaning on him for every single thing. Um, 
I, I repented of that and turned to him and said, okay, Lord, help me to rely on you because I can't do it on my own. I know I'm making a big mess of things, but God can do everything. And as I started trusting more in God, he started making my path straight. Hey, my name is Debbie, and I don't normally stand up in front of everybody, so please, Lord, be with me. One of my devotions this week really touched my heart, and it made me think about my life. I try to be a Christian, a strong Christian, in my job and in my life, but I realized there was a big part that I have put aside and ignored, even though he's been throwing it at my face, I keep saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And as I read this, I realized this was my last sign. I need to step up. It's Matthew 5.13. And it says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's tempting sometimes to blend in. It's just easier not to rock that boat, to not stand out in the crowd, to not draw attention to yourself. Sometimes it's okay to blend in, but sometimes it isn't. The very fact that you are a Christ follower means that there will be times when you must stand out because you are the salt of the earth. Your presence, which represents Christ's presence, will mean that your voice, you are the voice of love, peace, and reason sometimes. Don't lose your saltiness. So I went into my Bible and I did a study And it says, if the seasoning has no flavor, it has no value. Wow. I've lost a lot of my flavor. I'm letting him down big time. If Christians make an effort to affect the world, they are of little value to God. Christians should not blend in. We should affect the world positively, just as seasoning brings out the best flavor in our food. So, John, wherever you are, I haven't sung in a praise team in a really long time, and I'm stepping up. (laughs) Last week, I told about how God had answered a prayer for me. December 26, 2012 was the last time that I'd seen my granddaughter, Aubrey Anna. She was um, four and a half at the time. And I'd been praying that we would find her. Her dad took her, and we found her last Saturday. She turned nine years old. I just want to thank God for that. Thank you. Anybody else over here? Who's next? I chickened out last week, so I guess I'll have to go this week. Um, I'm going to put in um, another plug-in for small groups. If you're not involved in one, um, I'd really encourage each of you to do so. Um, Our small group meets on Mondays at Jeff and my house, and um, it's for anyone 25 to 35, but we don't card, so you can come in if you want. We won't won't check your age. 
Um, but we have a lot of fun, um, and we cook supper, um, and we eat together, and we pray together. Um, but Mark is leading us through Hebrews, and two weeks ago, we read Hebrews four fourteen through 16, and it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we possess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been trampled in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. And after we read that, um, in 2010, Bethany and I had the chance to go to northern Africa for a mission trip. And one of the um, villages that we visited had um, a Jerusalem there that they had built um, replicating um, Jerusalem. And as we were going through um, one of the temples that was built there, we walked in. And because we were female, we couldn't go into all of the rooms. But um, we got into this one room, and they said, well, you can stick your head in, but you can't walk in um, because it was only for males to walk in. And so we just peeked around the corner, and when we peeked around the corner, there was this huge veil that was in front of where the altar was. And um, as we were leaving, Bethany and, um, and April and I started talking, and we started talking about the veil. And then as we did, um, we, as we were leaving the, um, the village, we passed an Orthodox Christian church. Um, and we noticed that all of these women were sitting outside of the gate of the church, Um, and the bells were ringing to invite everyone in, but these women chose to stay outside the gate. And when Bethy and I noticed this, we asked April, why are all these women sitting outside? And they said, because they don't feel clean enough to go in. And just to not been able... Sorry, I didn't know I was going to get emotional. (laughs) To feel like they weren't clean enough to go into church... And to have seen that veil that we know was torn and that we can step onto the altar and come to Christ without worrying what our sins are, without worrying what our past is, we can step up and go straight to Christ for our sins. Those women were able to. And as we were talking about that, we all got really excited in small group and all came together and started talking about all the times that we were able to come to Christ and that we had experienced where other people weren't, didn't feel like they could. And it just made us really feel really grateful for what Christ did for us um, and excited for what um, we could share with others. So, Who else would like to share? No pressure, but guys, those three ladies. <laughs> And God wants us to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. As I was in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, God talks about the armor of God and how we are to put it on. And as uh, we walk through the week, through the months, and the years, um, not once does he say to take the armor off. That's something that, that he showed me. And how, if I get too busy doing, uh, I want to say, 
things that I know need to be done around the house or at the job or whatever, then uh, uh, if I take my focus off of um, what I know to be the most important thing in my life, which is serving the Lord and however he uses me, then um, I've got to be real careful because uh, he tells us to remain focused. And um, <clears throat> so as he spoke to me about this, um, it just really impacted me, and, and uh, it has been for years now. So the armor of God has been a, a special study for me for many years now, and because and, he tells us to, to watch out. The devil goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And any time we give him a chance to do that, he will. And that's not something that um, <clears throat> I want to say is something we really need in our lives because we have enough trouble, as Jesus says, in this world. Um, and to be not, not to be focused and, and studied and studied on God's word and to be prepared for anything the enemy might bring our way, then, then you know, I lack in that at times. And, and um, but the Lord reminds me, he's good about things. He reminds me that, hey, got to step up and, and continue to walk on in this um, so that we can not only protect ourselves but protect our family, loved ones, family members of the body of Christ. And uh, so that's just what the Lord was showing me this week. Amen. Anybody else? Quiet crowd. <laughs> Just to warn you, the Lord's not giving me any type of impression when this series ends, so I'm not going to let you get away with this long. He won't let you get away with it long. So um, that, that being said, uh, join me in prayer real quick, and then Simone will come up and, and join us. Father, we thank you that you loved us so supremely that you paid the ultimate sacrifice in sending your son to die on the cross, to pay for our sin, to open up the entranceway to fellowship with you. Uh, Father, I I pray right now that you just speak to our hearts. I, I thank you for Simone and his willingness to be with us. I thank you for how you've already used him in speaking in, in my life uh, and some others in our church. And Father, we pray you just help us to, uh, to listen for your spirit to talk to us about how, how we need to have true ongoing fellowship with you and anything else you may place upon his heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do we need these lights? It's really blinding. And I don't see you. That's the main thing. Can you taper those down a little bit? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Thank you. So, wow. It's great to be in the house of God. It's great to hear the testimony that uh, I've heard in the morning and now. And uh, Lynn, I'm with you. Man, please. 
Stand up and take authority and lead your household into God. This is the same thing that happens every, every, every church that I've ever attended. The, 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 the floor is open and the women, praise God for your women, I'm telling you. Encourage your wife, encourage your husbands, pray for your husbands. But man, we need to rise up. We need to rise up and, 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 and get the fire burning in us. God wants to do it for you. And I pray that after this evening, God will touch not only the men, but all of us in such a way that we will draw, be drawn to him and, and, and the fire that may be once burning in our heart will erupt again because it's all about the testimony. So, I'm on your team, guys, and I'm going to uh, start with, with my testimony, my devotion. And I'm not going to do it longer. By the way, uh, the, the praise team leader who said, I'm sorry, you know, you didn't steal anything. You know what? I just got a permission from the pastor to go as long as I want, so don't worry about it. <laughs> now, I want to say another thing. Probably many, many of you said, what's the deal with the stick? Uh, stick to the end. At the end, I'll tell you what's the deal with the stick. So if you leave before, you'll have to hear it secondhand. So let me start by telling you that that God loves you. He loves you very much. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, you know it. You heard it many times. And maybe I should add, He will never put up with you to leave you in this situation in which you are living way, way, way below, below the level that God has intended for you and me. His children. And we do. We live we do not live that abundant life about Jesus who said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So yes, if you are born again, you have life. But do you have it more abundantly? I want to start by giving you bits and pieces of my testimony. I am different. I know I am different. And uh, by the time the, the, the service is ended, you say, oh, wow, this guy is... I was saved in a different way. I never came to an altar. I never prayed a prayer of a sinner, of a repentant. And uh, one day I was driving in my car and uh, I was reading a tract, small one, maybe two, three pages. It may, it may have been the, the Roman road. Before I, I read it, I was the greatest uh, opposer of God. I cannot say I hated God because I didn't believe God. But if anybody would come to me and tell me anything about God, I would laugh at him and uh, try to prove that God doesn't exist. And so it was to until the very end, to that moment when I opened the scripture and I started to read, and I realized that God is real. It was a miracle that I will never overcome. How by reading few sentences here and there, I became a new man. Go figure out. God has all kinds of uh, uh, ways by which he saves us. And I think one of the ways that, uh, that, uh, 
that we practice here in the church may not be the right way. May not be the right way. And I tell you why. Because we preach a gospel that is faulty. And what is faulty about the gospel that we preach? We preach that if you come to the altar and you pray and you accept the atonement of Jesus on the cross, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Sure, this is what the Bible said. But then we talk to it something that is never written in the Bible. And that is the problem. It's a tragic problem. Once you pray this prayer, you go to heaven. No, forget about heaven. Forget about heaven. Our final destination is not heaven, it's on earth, in the kingdom of God. And our life today consists of preparation to that life in the kingdom of God. It will be on earth. Jerusalem uh, is the place where Jesus uh, will, will dwell. And, and people who are trained and prepared for it, they will govern with him. And the kingdom that is now in the power of the evil one will become the kingdom uh, of God. That is what it's about. The Bible says in the last days the kingdom of God shall be preached as a testimony to all nations. So again, I ask, do we know anything about the kingdom of God? No, we know a lot about heaven. We go to heaven. I'm not sure that everybody goes to heaven. So you can ask me, how do you know that you go to heaven? I don't know. But I tell you one thing. If a person has an ongoing fellowship with God, then God makes himself real to that person, and that is sufficient. It's not about going to heaven. It's about having fellowship with God, the, the living God. Because the Bible says, Jesus in his high priestly prayer in, in John 17 says, This is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So the question is, we need to ask ourselves, do I go to heaven or not? There is so much foolishness today in, in, in the church of the living God. We debate about theology. Let me say one word about theology. And thank God, wow, the time is running so fast, but I don't care. I have to say whatever is on my heart. Theology. You know what is theology? What is the literal meaning of theology? Theology means the study of God. Forget about it. You cannot know God with your mind. You can only love God, and that is the way to know God. So we have a lot of theologians everywhere that know the Bible from back forth and memorize a lot of scripture, but they don't know the first thing about God. Now, I know I may be stepping on the feet of somebody. I know I'm not stepping on the feet of your pastor because he is a great man of God. I can testify to you that you are very blessed to have Pastor Lin as your pastor. I know his heart. And I tell you another thing. There is some different feeling in this church. I, I've been in many churches, and every time that I walk out of the door of the church is another lost opportunity. There is something genuine that God begins in this church. And I pray, and I tell you guys, continue in this direction. I told Pastor Lin, I thought somebody painted this. I said, don't leave it. Don't touch it. Leave it. And I, I'm standing here, I'm thinking, true. Well, let me stand here because you need to be reminded every day that this is all about. It's about fellowship. In fellowship, you get to know God. You cannot go, know God any other way. There is no way you can know God. 
Because when we, his children, come into his presence, he is more than delighted to reveal himself to, to us. And then when we take time to set aside just to be alone with Jesus, this sets the tone for the rest of our life. We don't have to... How many times uh, you have heard uh, some preacher tell you, you have to do this and you have to do this and you have to, you have to pray for the sinners and you have to uh, go to the marketplace and share the gospel? No, I tell you, you don't have to do any of this. No. This is religion. And we practice religion every day. And Jesus turned the table of the religious people because he hated religion. He loved, every, he loved the sinner. He, 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 he ate with the sinners and the religious leaders didn't like it. So there is a great danger that we become religious. And actually, many churches are religious. God is broken hearted because as long as we persist in being religious, we don't have a testimony for the Lord. And why is that? If I ask you a question, can you answer me? I, I'll open the floor because I'm not preaching. I'm not a preacher, but I want to talk to you. Like, you know, it's like a big uh, guest room and we are talking to one another. I'm going to pose you a question. And I'm not going to wait too long because I don't want to waste time. Do you know why God saved you? What is the purpose of your salvation as far as God is concerned? Come on, start shouting. Yes. He loved us and he wanted our love. Reason is that he wanted to return. That's why he wanted to give us our love for it. Is, is this true? But this is not enough. There is more to it. Anybody else? Yes. Creation? We are this creation. Well, I tell you what, guys. Whenever to any question that can be posed to us as far as the spiritual things are concerned, and if you said that God loves us, great. That will always be the right answer. But there is a biblical answer. It's not something that I'm thinking, I want to quote your scripture. And the scripture says that the testimony, not that the testimony, that the life of Christ may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Now that you know, you can uh, share it with others. But, but, but there is a practical application to it. We may know the Bible. We may memorize the Roman road and other scripture that, that, that bring the sinner into like, like I was. But the world needs something else. You know what the world needs? The world needs to see Christ in you and me. If they don't see Christ in us, no matter how many uh, scripture we can uh, uh, quote to them, they have to look at us and say, wow, this person is different. And then you have an open door. But how can we become like Christ? Transform, that's right. Tra- and God, feel free, because I want to talk with you, not to talk to you. And I learned the difference. Uh, talking to you is like, okay, I'm standing here high, and I'm telling you different things that you may not know. No, I don't know many things too, but I think you can contribute to the conversation, so feel free. How, 
Can one be transformed? Because this is a big question. The tragedy in the church, in local churches, is because of the faulty gospel is that once we come to Christ and become believers and receive a certificate, uh, a ticket to heaven, then we stop living. We, we wait, and, and then we, we have another theological argument. Where, where, uh, when, when is the, the rapture? And I know in a room like this, some will say pre-tribulation, uh, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. You know what? God is not concerned in this. This is such a nonsense. This is theology. This is dry. This is religion. If you love for Christ... If you have fallen uh, in love with Christ, you take every moment uh, to represent him. Uh, if you're going to speak to somebody, it's because the Christ who is in you uh, moved you uh, to touch somebody, to speak to somebody, to do something that on your own you would have never uh, been able to do. So... The key to be transformed is in the presence of God. There is no way around it. And I think today we must come to terms with it. Either we have fellowship with God or we don't have fellowship with God or we are on the way to fellowship with God. Surely this is a journey and some of us Maybe somebody was born again yesterday. He's just at the beginning of the road. But it's about the journey. It's not even the destination. You walk, you journey with Christ. So we must ask ourselves, do I have fellowship with God or not? And if you say yes, then ask yourself another question. What kind of fellowship do I have? What uh, it consists of? So different people may have different kinds of fellowship, but still the issue is, do you have fellowship with God? Or you just come to church? The reality is that most of the churches are predictable. People come to, uh, to, uh, to church, they hear a sermon, and they go to lunch. Big deal. People sit in churches for decades, and they don't know first thing about God. Why? Because if you don't have fellowship with God, you're never going to know God. And what, what, uh, what what the new birth or the salvation consists of knowing God. This is eternal life that you may know uh, God and then Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So fellowship is important. God sent me half a year ago to talk to different pastors with a message. And the message was simple. Stop preaching altogether. Concentrate on one thing. This is from God. This is what God wants. And I think you are probably the only church in the whole area that is doing what actually God wants. Why God wants to do this thing? Because God knows without it, you're not going to do anything. You know what we have? Big churches, popular churches, influential churches. What we have is programs that means nothing, that accomplish nothing. Because in the last days... The scripture says, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and did we not do great works? And he will tell them, depart from me, workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Why? What we do in the church? We have a good idea and then we go to God and we say, God bless us. No, it doesn't work like this. 
God touches you and God moves you with compassion and with a burden to do something and he sends you. This is the word. If you are not sent, you are still in training. What is the difference between, uh, what's his name, and Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt? They go places and they have a lot of money, they, they do good work, they adopt kids. What is the difference between what they do and what we do? They do it for their own glory. We do it for the glory of God. They have never been sent. We are sent. That's the difference. But it starts in fellowship. You cannot make a decision. You cannot have a good idea. The problem of the church is that we have too many good ideas. The problem of the church is that we are too active. Instead of spending time with God and coming out of the presence of God inspired, stirred up, a broken hearted for the sinners that walk around us. We just have good ideas. We live out of guilt rather than out of the power of God's anointing. Where do you get God's anointing? In fellowship. Everything goes to fellowship. So, this little booklet, you know why I've written it? Because I was frustrated to no end after I spoke to many pastors and the message didn't go through. So I said, let me write a booklet. And uh, let's see what God will do with it. So <laughs> that's what God did. I gave a booklet to Pastor Lynn, and he read it and said, wow, let's, let's talk further. The Garden of Eden. It all started with the Garden of Eden. Because God had always in mind and in heart fellowship with his creation. The gospel is not about going to heaven the gospel is about reconciliation. That once we were sinners and separated from God, now God wants to befriend us. And how is he going to befriend us if we never come to him, never talk to him? He says, uh, come unto me and, and I will show you great and mighty things that you have never known. He's like, he's, uh, his lines are open. He's never too busy for us, but we are always too busy for him because we are running after many things. That means very little. And actually, the question is, do we represent Christ or not? And to answer this question is not how much scripture you know, how much you can uh, 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 quote. is how holy you are. Amen. The revival that is coming, and is coming, yeah. is a revival of love, and revival of holiness. And it will be perpetuated by those who keep fellowship with God. Because also in the fellowship with God, you learn how to pray. And you know what is the number one problem in all the churches, local churches? One word. Prayerlessness. So, some churches know it and we say, okay, then let, let's pray. But you know what? This is not prayer what we do. We have programs of prayer. All the churches that I look online and talk to pastors, they have a program. What is the program? I tell you, I tell you with broken heartedness because, because we are in error. The program is this, in most of the churches. And we copy it from one another than, rather than receiving it from God. We say, uh, we have a church ministry in our church. If you have a prayer request, then uh, call us and, and there are people that will pray for you. It sounds great. 
It sounds great, but I have to tell you, this is not of God. This is not how prayer works. Prayer, in order to offer real prayer to God, you have to have a burden from God. Where do you get the burden from God? In fellowship. So, I was, in, I was involved in prayer, and I thought, in, in the past, I, I did a good job, because I was there, I was praying uh, long hours. We had the cars that were flipping, and then... Every card is a prayer request, and, uh, and, uh, and I prayed. <laughs> but now I'm looking back. What a futility. I didn't know the people I uh, prayed for them. I didn't care about them, really. And I also didn't wait, uh, didn't expect from God, from God to answer my prayer. What kind of prayer it is? You know, prayer, the essence of prayer is the answer from God. If you did not get an answer from God, you didn't pray yet. So we need to learn how to pray. Where are we going to learn how to pray? From books? Forget about it. There are so many books that are written about prayer, and we are still prayerless people. Can you believe it, what God thinks about prayerless Christians? There is no such a thing. If you are a Christian, you are a prayer Christian who talks to God all the time. Because prayer is nothing but talking to God. Intercession is a little bit more. You pray for others when you have a burden. But prayer, at its essence, you just talk to God. Do you talk, talk to God? Do you talk to God all the time? Do you talk to God throughout the day? He will teach you how to pray in the quiet time. If you set aside time, time for Him. So we are at the brink of a great revolution, reformation. I don't know, there is no word for it, what God is about to do. Why? Because the kingdom of God is coming. And who's going to bring the kingdom of God? The people of God. Prepare a way for God's return. Who's preparing the way for God's return? You and me. How? By yielding our life to Him. By Taking up the cross and following him. Denying ourselves. Whoa. Do you think that this is natural for a man or a woman to deny themselves? No, but you, in fellowship, the love of God is made so real and so strong and so deep that you are actually willing, joyfully, willingly, on your own accord to lay down your life for the one who laid down your life for you. It just happens. It's not, it's not a rational decision. It's a supernatural outworking of God working in us. So there is still a way that we need to go, and everything is in fellowship. It starts in fellowship, and it continues in fellowship. And if we don't have fellowship with God, then we're practicing that religion. Those are the two options. That's all. Let me ask you a question, because we, we want to talk about in, 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 the, in, in human terms, not spiritual, natural terms. Imagine your children, if you give them a meal once a week, do you think they're going to survive on once a week? They may, but they're going to be very, very skinny, very malnourished. So what do you think if we come to church and hear Pastor Lynn preaches once a week? Do you, what kind of Christian we are? 
We are malnourished. If you don't open your Bible and, uh, and read it, let me say a few words about the Bible, okay? Many of us don't read the Bible because it's too difficult, we don't understand it, we don't have time, and there are many excuses. But I tell you one thing, first and foremost, the Bible, the Word of God, is food for nourishment. If you don't eat it on a regular basis, you're going to be weak. You got to be weak. So what? You come and then you participate in programs and do all kinds of things, thinking you do it for God, but you do it out of the flesh because you are a weak Christian, because the Word of God is not in you. This is the one thing. The other thing is, it is a language. How many books have been written about, I want to hear the Word of God because the Word of God says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Do you hear the, 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 the voice of God? Well, how can I hear the word of God? Let me buy a few books. No, forget about the books. The Bible is a language of communication between you and God. If you don't read it, you will have hard time to pray and you will have hard time to listen from God. Let's bring it to the natural level. How is it that a baby in America and a baby in China, one speaks in English and the other speaks in Chinese? How is it? Is it not a miracle? Why? Because the parents constantly speak to the child, eventually gets it. He gets a new language. The American gets the English language and the Chinese get the Chinese language. If you open the Bible and allow God to speak to you, you're going to get God's language and you're going to understand it. Do you think the baby understands what the parents are talking to him? He just gets a sense that the parents love him, but he don't understand anything. The same thing with us, approaching to Scripture. You open the Bible, you don't understand anything. But here we are. God never wanted us to understand the Bible. You cannot understand the Bible. Unless you have a revelation from God, you will not understand it. But as long as you persist it, persist reading it, taking it as a food of God, God will start to give you a revelation. Why? Because he realizes you are a faithful, faithful child of God. One to whom he can entrust revelation. Simple gospel. God made it so simple. And we are so intellectual. We go to seminaries, we get a doctorate degree, and we're impressing everybody, but there is no life in us. Amen. It's about life, not our life, the life of Christ manifested in our mortal flesh. Cannot be any other way but in fellowship, in devotion, private devotion, and then you come here, and, 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 and the worship of God is just flows out of you because you are so full with God. This is what is going to happen. And I'm telling you, you are in the right place. God has started the beginning here. I'm so encouraged that, that God spoke to Pastor Lin and he, he tells you, you know what, I don't know when it's going to finish. <laughs> Why would he know? If he's led by God and it's God's business, not his business, God should finish it. One time I was uh, praying to God on my knees and, uh, and, uh, and then I got out of my knees and, and I felt God was saying, wait a minute, did I release you? <laughs> like... like Okay, I go in the presence of God, I go there. No, it's God who called me on my knees, and it will God who said, okay, I'm through with you, you can go. And you will know it. You will learn it in, 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 the, in, in the fellowship with God. So what I'm, what I'm telling you today, this is everything. If you have this, you have everything. Everything comes out of fellowship with God. You have a ministry. And we call it ministry. 
Like, okay, I'm going to the seminary, and then I'm going to have a good idea, then I'm going to raise up money, and then I'm going to do something. No. You have a ministry. Somebody told me, what a great thing it was. Somebody told me, my ministry is to be a mother. What a great ministry it is. It's a ministry from God. So we have also a wrong notion of ministry. What what I'm preparing to tell you is that when you come into the presence of God, God brings you to the place where you live your life in a way that he intended. For the, he created you for a purpose. And you will never know your purpose until you start having fellowship with God. Because God will reveal you the purpose. And then when you live out your purpose, then you're going to be content. You will be joyful. Many of us are not happy. Why? Because we are looking for something and we never find it. And we will never find it, but unless God reveals it to us, and then we will living our lives uh, in a way that God intended. So, so fellowship, again, is, uh, is that thing. Uh, let me give you an illustration. I know I'm going here and there, but, but uh, it's good because I don't have an outline and I just come, whatever comes, comes. Many years ago, I was mowing the grass. And my wife was standing with our grandchild, who was at at that time about three or four, and she said, uh, he wants to mow the grass with you. I had a uh, riding mower. But I thought to myself, no, I don't want him to mow the grass with me because I know it takes me 25 minutes and if I took him on my lap, it's going to take me twice as that. So I said no. But then I thought, well, he was afraid till now to, because of the noise or whatever. But now he wants to let me take him. So I put him on my lap and we mow the grass. And he's so happy, he's putting his little hands on the wheel, and he thinks that he's staring. And so it took uh, definitely twice as long, but then, but, then, but then when we're mowing the grass, I realize, man, it's not about mowing the grass at all. It's about me having fellowship with my grandson. Forget the grass. And then when the grass is mown, mowed, he's so happy because he mowed the grass. It's the same thing with us. You think God cannot do a better job without you and me? But he puts you and me on his lap and says, let's mow the grass. And when we do it, we say, yes, I mow the grass. <laughs> we are just a, a liability to God when he, when he takes us. But he loves us because he wants to have a relationship with us. That's why he puts us on, on our lap and, and, and allows us to feel, yeah, we are mowing the grass. No, the Bible says without God you can do nothing, Right? But there is another lesson in it, that God allows us to be seated on his lap because he knows that one day we're going to standing on the road and seeing him mow the grass on his own because he learned very well from us. And then we will turn and say, behold my grandson with whom I am well pleased. That's how God is working. That is so simple and so profound. And if we get it, we got everything. 
So, gave you this example from my life, and somebody can say, okay, well, well what are your building theology on your own, uh, own uh, experiences? Yes and no. Because now I give you a parallel in the Bible. Jesus came to visit in, in the village of, of Cana, where Martha and Mary and Lazarus were living, and, uh, and, uh, and he had a Bible study there. So Mary went to the kitchen to prepare sandwiches and some coffee, and Mary was seated at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word that proceeded out of his mouth. Now look at this. Martha was serving the Lord. So why was she uh, aggravated, displeased, and complaining? Because she came to Jesus and says, Lord, tell my sister to help me. Well, if you are serving the Lord, it's a great privilege. No, she, she was religious. She was, she, was, uh, she was busy. She was busy with doing things. Jesus would have rather her to sit at his feet together with Mary because when she said, tell my sister to help me, he told her, Martha, Martha, you are busy and weary with so many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen the better part, and it shall never be taken away from her. And that thing is fellowship. You can think you're serving the Lord as much as you want. If you serve the Lord out of fellowship, you are practicing that religion. So fellowship is everything, and it's, it, it's very easy to determine. Do I have fellowship, do I not have fellowship? Do I just run around and I'm being busy? I tell you, I have two friends that are really great men of God, and I was surprised what happened to them. One man was going down the stairs, 70 years old, 78 years old, great man of God, and he fell down, and he broke his hip. And after he broke his hip, he was taken to a rehab center, Long time until he could walk again, you know, at 78. It's, it's, it's a serious thing. But I thought, man, God needed to slow this man down. Rather than running around and doing this and this and this, God says, no, I'm going to break your hip. And you're going to have fellowship with me now. <laughs> Didn't he do the same thing to Jacob who wrestled with him all night? But Jacob wrestled with him well. But then I have another friend that uh, have a great ministry. He's considered in, 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 in Hickory, known in Hickory as a great man of God. And uh, all of a sudden, he started to have big uh, uh, kidney stone, too big to pass, and he had terrible pain. And on top of it, he had a blood clot in his, in his uh, uh, leg, and they were afraid that it would uh, release and go to his heart, and that would be his, his end. So the doctors told him, you can do nothing. Just stay at home, keep your foot elevated, don't do nothing. He told me this before I told him. He said, I think the Lord wants me to, uh, to take it easy and to slow down. That's exactly right. We are too busy running around and doing nothing. And God says, why don't you come to me? Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you peace. Martha was heavy laden. She was making sandwiches. She was not happy. She was not happy because she was not in the presence of Jesus. So, having said that, I tell you uh, maybe one, one more last thing. 
No. Let me go to the stick. This is the last point I'm going to make. On Friday, I was walking with the Lord, one of the parks. I have a place where I walk with the Lord, and, and I just have fellowship with Him. I feel that uh, I can talk to the Lord, and He can talk to me. And, uh, and on that Friday, we were talking, walking and talking, and uh, no, <laughs> we were walking and I was talking. The Lord was quiet. He didn't say anything. <laughs> and, and I said... Lord, why don't you talk? And the thought came to my mind, well, maybe because I'm talking too much, that's why the Lord is not. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm through talking. I'm listening now. So I'm walking and I'm listening, and still the Lord is saying nothing. So I figure out, okay, he wants to be quiet, let him be quiet. And all of a sudden, I come to a place where I see this stick. And once I saw this stick... I love this stick. I don't know. I just loved it. I picked it up. And I'm now walking with the stick. And I thought to myself, Lord, what would happen if I throw the stick on the ground? Will it become a snake? Nah. So I'm walking with the stick, and I'm thinking, I should try it. I cannot this opportunity to sleep. So I'm walking, walking, and thinking about it, and I said, I'm going to throw it. Let's see what happened. And I throw the stick, and lo and behold, nothing happens. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, okay, Lord, I just tried. So I take the stick, and I keep walking, and the second thing that comes to my mind I wouldn't let the Lord off the hook so easy. The second thing that comes to my mind is, Lord, wouldn't it be nice if this stick would bud and blossom? And I felt the Lord said, so what would you do if the stick would bud and blossom? I said, I would run home and put it in water so it will not dry up. And the Lord said, you foolish man, you think that what comes to you, a supernatural from heaven, can be sustained with natural means? So I said, Lord, if this will bud and blossom, how can it be sustained, not to dry up? And the Lord said, in prayer, in prayer, why I'm bringing this stick? Because the Lord wanted me to bring it. But, but the Lord says, look at this stick. It is nice. It is, it is straight. But it is bare. And it is fragile. If you put a little pressure here, it will break. This is the condition of most, most of the churches. Amen. Dry and bare. And the Lord says... I'm about to cause this stick to bud and blossom and bear fruit. And when I do, don't put it in water. Just pray. So something good is coming. Coming out of fellowship. I'm going to leave this stick here. So then when you look at this stick... It will be a reminder to you that something good is coming. 
that out of that fellowship that you are pursuing amidst of the great opposition that the devil will put against you because he knows once you have fellowship with God, he is done. Because the love of Christ will be manifested. The authority of Christ will be manifested through you. The, the anointing will be manifested. But we are not talking about uh, personal anointing. God, God always had uh, his people scattered throughout. But we are talking about new thing. God said in Isaiah, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Will you not be uh, aware of it? That's the great revival, reformation, or, or revolution, whatever you can call it, is coming. The difference is that where in the past, God always had his saints. Now, it's about the corporate expression of Christ. That the people who seek God in fellowship, who allow him to change them, they are coming together, and now the Lord can move us uh, as a unit. The Bible says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Warfare is never the job of the individual. It's the job of the church. That's why he said, we wrestle, not I wrestle or you wrestle. We wrestle. So we are at the end time. We are in the end time, and we see what happens. Everything is going in the wrong direction. Look at America. Terrible, 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 terrible. Oh, maybe I'll sit. Okay, it's one minute after, but give me a few more minutes. So, uh, America is in, 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 uh, in, in terrible, terrible condition. What are we going to do? We are losing this great nation that God raised, God blessed, Blessed with great people of God who led the nation in, in, in the right path. America, who sent uh, missionaries all over the world and, and blessed uh, people everywhere. Now America is in terrible decline and is a livestock of, 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 of many other nations. And the whole Western world is, is going to pits because the problems are so big now that the government cannot solve. But there is a hope. You know what is the hope of America? The hope of the Western world? The hope of the world is the church. Church that will be united. Church will be on fire for God. Church that will uh, have Christ not only as Savior, but as Lord. Meaning, now the Lord will tell us, go here and do that. And I will give you the power. And I will be with you. And I will make sure that you will have victory. The last days belongs to overcomers. They overcame him by the blood of the uh, lamb, the word of the testimony, and they did not regard their lives even when faced with death. This is the direction we're going. Uh, it's not about making America great again, because as much as we want to see America great again, it's about the kingdom of God. Amen. Kingdom of God is coming. But if the people of God come together and allow God to change them, there is a hope for America. So, I want to finish with one thing. <laughs> Normally, the preacher comes and opens the Bible and says, okay, this is the scripture for today, and then there is prayer, and then we have the sermon. And then we go to lunch. And then we forget the sermon. Well, you will not forget the sermon because the stick will be here every time that you come here, and you remember that God has spoken. But I was seeking the Lord, what can I 
tell this congregation, this, you are God's people. You are the sheep of his pasture. You are his business, not, not my business. What can I tell you? I don't know what I can tell you. So I was struggling with God. What message can I bring? And, and I was saying, God, give me something, anything. I could not even have an outline. I, I didn't open the, even open the Bible, but it's quoted few scripture. God didn't give me anything. This morning, when I was praying again, I said, Lord, I don't know. I give up. He gave me a scripture, but I tell you something that I think is important, that I understood. Because at the beginning, I said, Lord, do you want me to preach? It's, I didn't push. Somebody invited me to preach, and now, now what am I going to tell them? Uh, you have a message? Okay, tell me, and I will tell them. And I hope I will not mess it up. And the Lord didn't do, again, he didn't say, didn't say, didn't say anything until I realized. God said, I want you empty, completely empty. Because then I will fill you at my time and I will, I will, I will speak through you. It will not be you who speak, it's going to be who speak through you. In order for me to speak through you, you have to be empty completely. But the Lord was very gracious this morning at 6 o'clock when I prayed again. And I said, Lord, okay, you know what, I give up. I'm, I'm going to mess it up, and uh, you know, I messed it up many times in the past, and God gave me, he said, this is my text for my people for today. So instead of presenting in the beginning, I will present it in the end. The text of today that God has chosen for not only you, but me too, is found in John chapter 21. And verse 12, and this is not even one verse of scripture, it's a fragment. It says there, come and have breakfast. That's it. Come and have breakfast. God is waiting for us with wide open arms to welcome each one of us into fellowship because he's got something for us that we cannot ever get anywhere else. And I tell you guys, we are breaking God's heart every day that we don't come to him. Because he's waiting for us, like the prodigal son. Do you think that the father gave up on his son? But when his son came to him, he ran toward him and put a, a, a robe on, on, on his body and gave him a finger and threw a big party for him. It made God so happy. Can you imagine what will happen First of all, in this church, then in this whole area, and, and in America, in, in, if the people of God get this message of fellowship, and God will put them together and, 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 and ignite a fresh fire in them, it's going to be life-changing. And this is what is coming. But the question is, are you going to take God's challenge to come into his presence and just eat of his hand? Because he said, come, let's have breakfast. I will feed you. And when God feeds you, you're going to be changed forever. And he will teach you many things that you cannot learn, not by listening to sermons, not by going to conferences, not by going to seminaries. No, the training is in the presence of God. So God gave me this, 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 this fragment of scripture, come and have breakfast. But God told me generally... Uh, I want you to call my people to repentance. This is why I'm here. 
I'm not calling you to repentance because I need to repent too. There is some people here that are seated that have fellowship with God. And God is very pleased with you. But I'm reminded in the ninth chapter of, uh, of Daniel, when Daniel pray, prayed for, for the nation of Israel, he said, we have sinned. We rebelled against you. We have not listened to your commandment. He puts himself there, although Daniel was a very righteous man. So God is calling all of us. If you think that, if you know you have fellowship with God, then stand here with everybody and say, Lord, we are in your presence. We, we, we have made mess out of your work because God said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against me. So we want revival? No, forget about revival. We need to pray that God will come into the midst of his people. And let today be the first beginning. We come in front and we petition God to come back to us and to do the things that we spoke about uh, today to make it real to us. So I will be the first to stand here with you. But I'm telling you, God is calling you up front to stand in his presence and say, Lord, we repent. We want you to come into our midst. We want you to lead us and the great work that you have for us. And I believe God will answer. So come join me in front. Oh, Lord, our God, our mighty Redeemer, how wonderful it is to know, O oh Lord God, that in spite of our weaknesses and shortcomings, you can still speak through a people who are not perfect. But your word, O oh God, is powerful. Your word is life-changing, O oh God. Your word, it pricks in our hearts and brings us into the light that we may realize that there is so much that you have for us and through us to the world. So we pray, O oh Lord God, that you will forgive our casual walk with you, our coming to church once a week, and, and then during the week doing our own thing, omitting the great privilege of spending time with you and getting to know you intimately. O oh Lord, forgive us. Lord, bring us into your presence because without you, we perish. And without you, we can do nothing. Forgive us perpetuating all kinds of programs that amount to very little. Bring us to the next level. Make us a people who burn for you with a fire that is unquenchable. And let there be a difference in the people that we associate with our workplaces. Oh God, I pray that everyone that has come to the altar this morning may be touched, may be changed. And I pray that this church, in its corporate expression, may become the shining city on a hill. Lord, may we express you, may we share you with others in a fresh way, and may we see the fruit of our fellowship all around us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could have your attention for me, and if you you at the front, if you'll just kind of stand where you are, uh, and, uh, and instead of moving back to your seats, because we're we're going to finish up. 
uh, like we just finished. Uh, you can give your offering on the way out the door. We're not going to sing an offertory uh, or anything like that this morning. Primary reason is not me worried about time, but I want you to go away with that thought that he presented right at the end about coming to breakfast. Now, just a little bit of background to that before I let you go. That was his disciples he was inviting to come to breakfast. One of them who specifically said, I messed up so bad, I'm just going back to being a fisherman. Who had more or less, you know, he he had denied the Lord three times after being warned that he would. So some of you may feel like Peter. But still, he invites you to come to breakfast. Amen? And from now on for the rest of your life, every time you sit down to eat breakfast, think about the invitation that Jesus has for you to come to eat breakfast, to have fellowship with him. I want to give you one prayer request. Uh, Kevin, I saw Kevin here. Kevin, are you Kevin Steer? See, he, he had to slip out probably. Um, his uh, uh, girlfriend, Jennifer, lost her mother uh, this past week, and the, uh, the funeral is this afternoon, visitations this afternoon. So uh, let's be sure that we uh, remember that. Remember what he said about a burden? You have to, to pray. To really be able to pray, you have to have a burden. Well, I've lost my mother. Many of you have. You ought to be able to pray with a burden you know, for her as, uh, as a result of that. Uh, God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Shimon, thank you for coming. Uh, be sure and get you a copy of the booklet if you have not. There's some up here at the front. There's some also at the door as you go back. Uh, you might be thinking, I've, I've never been to church service quite like this. That's fine. <laughs> it's what God wanted for us today Amen. and in this moment. They kind of give us a wake-up call, I think. You know? God bless you guys. Thank you for coming. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.